0: deep pattern downfield
1: touchdown miami what a throw Devontae parker holy smokes what a drive what is up Dolphin fans and welcome to the drive time podcast part of the miami dolphins podcast network covering your team your miami dolphins How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's day two of pads and day seven total of practice here in training camp 2021. We'll take a return to the deep passing game and hear from Tua Tungavailoa, Jakeem Grant, and Coach Flores on the vertical game. Plus, Tua talks timing, chemistry, off-season, and the offensive system catering to his skill set. As we do every day, we'll break down the individuals who shined, the top performers of the day, the matchup of the day, a couple of your questions, and we'll tell you about some of these sacks that occur as a product of good communication and coverage from the safety position. From Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast.
2: It's another
1: Miami Dolphins! We normally start the show with the housekeeping, but we'll get to that here in just one minute. We're gonna go with the best thing I saw today or heard today, and it was Jakeem Grant talking to me and some other reporters after practice. And you might recall a podcast I did with Jakeem last offseason where he told me some cool stuff about dad life, but also showing no mercies to his kids when they play video games together. So I asked him, Jakim, how's the family doing? Here was his answer.
3: Family's doing great, man. Man, I, I, I love them. And my son let me have you the other day. He just asked me, you know, Dad, when you're coming home, and can you just come home and stay? I'm like, man, I'm, I, I can't, you know. And with him being autistic, he never expressed his uh, feelings. And that was the first time he ever uh, expressed his feelings, and, and it hit me hard. So, um, But, man, they're doing great. My twins are doing good. Hey, they just like, hey, Dad, you coming home? I'm like, one day, uh, whenever I got get a break, and they're like, okay, whatever, Dad. Like, but my son, yeah, he let me have it for like 15 minutes yesterday.
1: And it's tough to transition from that, but we'll hear more from Jakeem later in the podcast. Let's go ahead and get to the housekeeping. No roster moves to mention, but as far as the health of some players goes, Will Fuller was out there today on the exercise bike and getting around some of the players and the receivers group and otherwise. He was carrying a football with him all day, and he would throw it up to himself in the air, spin it on the turf like you do after you catch a first down or a touchdown, and just find different ways to keep himself busy. Jalen Phillips was also on the bike, congregating with some of his teammates throughout the course of the day. Savon Ahmed was still in the red no-contact jersey, and Devontae Parker was back out there too. He had his first team period work, including a reception on a deep end cut from Tua Tungavailoa. Looked like a curl, possibly a dig, I'm not sure, but he found some space, and Tua put it between the 1 and the 1 on his jersey. Good to see 1-11 to once again. Alan Hearns was shaken up in practice, but he returned and made a few plays after coming back, so he looks good. Finally, coach addressed Andrew Van Ginkle and called the linebacker day-to-day this morning in his press conference. And that 9.45 presser, he said Andrew was already in getting treatment and taking care of that thing. So after all the running, we got back to a lot more passing and tons of 11-on-11 in this particular practice, especially in the red zone. And yesterday I talked about the run game and how there wasn't any passing in most of those periods besides one or two sprinkled in here and there i was curious to ask coach about how they balance the evaluation of what guys are doing compared to what the results are and remember i said jamal perry had jumped the gun on the same route in the same period three days in a row those two things made me kind of curious let's go ahead and go to coach here
4: um yeah guys cheat the drill that happens you know uh, but I think we just need to keep the drills moving, and there's always a, an element to a, a drill you can do um, to force a guy not to. And normally he goes in, we go out. Normally we go out, we go we go deep. So um, there is an element of that. I think it's up to us as a, as a staff to try to eliminate that as much as possible. But I think um, you know I think we just need to continue to. Um, work the techniques, work the fundamentals, and I think whether they cheat the drill, not cheat the drill. I mean, we're we're evaluating the fundamentals and techniques now. You know, they may look a little cleaner because they're anticipating it, but um, and not truly reacting. but um, well, that's part of the evaluation, also. You know, it's is that a true rep? Are we counting that one? I mean, player may think so, but we we may not be counting that one. So.
1: And another hot topic across the league after a brawl broke out at Giants camp on Tuesday was the training camp scuffles that inevitably happen every year almost across the league. And I thought Flores' response to a question about that was insightful as far as how he takes every opportunity to teach and instill discipline in his ball club. Remember, Flores took one of the league's most penalized teams in, in 2018 rather, and has been in the top five each of the last two years in both total penalties and penalty yardage. Let's
4: go ahead and go to coach. Yeah, I mean, look, you put pads on, things get chippy. It's a chippy game. It happens. Uh, I think, I think it's also a game where you got to keep your poise, um, and that's kind of what I, you know, talk to the players about. And it's something, um, you know, we talk about as, as. As a staff, we talk to talk to the players about like we know it's gonna get somebody's gonna be on the ground, somebody's gonna do a little too much. I mean, we had a little bit of it yesterday, um, and your natural reaction is to re, you know react and you know fight back. Um, but as we know, you know it's normally the second guy who gets the penalty, and and in those instances, we gotta keep our poise, That's what, and we try we have to practice that. So. Uh, and inevitably, there's going to be, you know, uh, some kind of fight out on the field and we just got to learn from it and get better. Uh, but we try to use it as a uh, as a as a as a learning experience, you know, when it happens, um, because when it happens in a game, it, it could be costly. And, you know, we, we just try to use it as a learning learning oh, tool. True
1: go ahead and pivot now into the position by position breakdown and I veered from the format yesterday in a way that I liked but I still think I think going top down from the roster like this is the best way so we start with the quarterbacks and the theme of the quarterbacks and passing game really all of camp has been the vertical passing game and a lot of that has to do with location and man that's been the name of the game through seven days of practice for Tua by vailoa Before I start talking about my observations, let's go ahead and go to Coach Flores, who was asked about the vertical game at his morning press conference on Wednesday.
4: I think he's, um, uh, it's something he's, he's, he's placed an emphasis on, uh, we've placed an emphasis on pushing, not pushing the ball downfield, but, um, you know, taking advantage of those opportunities if they're there, um, you know, like always, we want to you know have good fundamentals, good techniques, good mechanics. Go through his progression, um, and if it's there and it's open, uh, well, we can throw him open and take a shot. I mean, we're not going to make him if we don't throw him. So, I think he's uh, taking more uh, taking more shots downfield, and I think you know as a as a, you know hopefully he's gaining more confidence that we can make some of those throws, uh, but at the same time. You know, not every not every throw is going to be a 50-yarder, 60-yarder. So um, you got to make good decisions. we got to check it down when we need to check it down. we got to throw the intermediate route when we need to throw the intermediate route. got to throw it away and take the incompletion when we need to do that. Um, and, you know, he just needs reps. Uh, so we'll just try to give him as many reps as possible. That's the same with all the quarterbacks, Jacoby Reed, and really all players at all position. But, you know, specific to Tua and the, and the downfield throws, that's that would be my, my take on it.
1: And why don't we go ahead and hear from the man himself as far as the elevation of deep passing in this training camp so far and what Tua thinks has really contributed to the success with the deep game.
2: Uh, I guess to that, I'd say I've been playing football, you know, since I was little. Um, I've been playing quarterback position for as long as I can remember. Uh, Really, it's just coming out and working on your timing with the guys, you know, seeing the speed of, um, you know, players, you know, not everyone's really fast. And I I guess just coming out here and being able to practice and work on it, that's what's helped.
1: Tua then fielded a question about his level of comfort in the offense. And he said, I do feel very comfortable in the offense, but also mentioned that it's about putting good days together and continuing building that success. I found this quote very interesting as a reporter asked Tua about, Something Jerome Baker said yesterday regarding Tua going into the linebackers room and asking them questions about what they see with his game and how he can get better. He was asked, what can you gain from those conversations with the linebackers and the defenders?
2: For me, it's it's being able to see their alignment and their positioning. Um, you know, why do they align this way? And, you know, for me, it gives me an edge to know where to go with the ball a lot quicker, and it speeds up my process. Um, you know, but I, I think it's always good to nitpick the other side. Um, you know, we have like a veteran, like J Mac being able to ask J Mac some questions, um, you know, and then also seeing how, how they disguise things, but yeah.
1: And, you know, it's not just the deep ball. It's Touch passes to the back pylon for 20 yards, where you've got a receiver five yards deep in the end zone by the time the ball gets there, and a DB who's three yards deep trailing that route. You've got that five yard window, and the ball has to have a certain hump to it, otherwise, The trail defender gets underneath it and disrupts the line of sight of the receiver or causes the incompletion or worse. He makes a play on it and catches it or tips it up in the air. And that's when things get really dangerous from there. And this is where you really see the talent of Tua, I think, these types of throws. And it extends to different areas of the field. And there was one particular play where the defense dialed up pressure, and it was more rushers than blockers, and that becomes dependent on the receiver to uncover and for the quarterback to figure out which guy is going to uncover. And on this particular play, Tua lays it out to an open space, and Jalen Waddell is coming across on a drag route. A drag route's when you get off the line, you go to the middle of the formation, and you basically run right in behind the D line under the linebackers, similar to the over route, but it's much closer to the line of scrimmage. And the ball and the receiver intersect there. And since the pressure came, well, there's no one there to tackle him. And he gone at that point because you just don't tackle Jalen Waddle with pursuit from the backside or really with having only one or two guys out in front of him. He turned this thing up went in untouched for a touchdown for 20 yards. I mean, we saw him do this all the time in college as far as Tua goes, putting the ball to a spot and catching that thing. We also saw it some last year. So how do they find this chemistry to know the ball's going to a spot and how we can go ahead and make that chemistry happen on game day? It has to do with some of the work they did in the off season to attributes a large portion of that credit to give them some groundwork here heading into training camp, and now it's all about improving every single day. But here is Tua on the idea of the offseason workouts and how it benefited this offense.
2: I think being able to get with the guys uh, throughout the offseason has helped tremendously um, with the timing. But I, I think until you, you're able to put the pads on, you know, come out and really work against, you know, an, an opposing team or guys on the opposite side of you, uh, you know, that's when I think those things uh, really come up and, and show.
1: Tua then had a follow-up question regarding the deep ball and whether or not he had to make certain decisions to throw the deep ball. Here's Tua on what goes through his process, his thought process rather, when deciding to go deep, intermediate, or short.
2: The guy's open. I'm, I'm going to throw it to him. You know that that's that's what I could say uh, to that. Um, I, I would say it was it's very very much no different than you know my time I had at Alabama. You know throwing deep balls. So.
1: And how many times have we said on this particular podcast that Tua set records for deep and vertical passing? There was articles on Saturday Down South, Daniel Jeremiah talked about on the Move the Sticks podcast about the prolific downfield passing of Bama under Tua Tungabailoa and how when he got there, Bama transitioned from that defense and run heavy team they had been for decades and centuries really to being the most prolific downfield passing team really in the history of college football until Joe Burrow and LSU came along and kind of took some of those records away but this point still stands they were very prolific throwing the ball down the football field so in this practice he hit some fades from 20 yards one to Jalen Waddle one to Isaiah Ford you saw the video of that on our Miami Dolphins Twitter page he's attacking vertically he's throwing with drive on certain balls where it's necessary he had a rip up the seam to Waddle in two minute where you can see the linebacker get depth to his landmark off the snap and so Waddle takes the free access he has because there's no reroute there into the second level and Tua catches the snap plants that left foot the drive foot into the ground and drives this football from the far hash and because you've Got to get it out of there before the safety can come down. He's he's just going to drive that thing as hard as he can. And it just is on the money. Splits the one and the seven on his jersey. And we've seen that a lot so far with Tua. He's layering passes to spots to give guys the ultimate yak opportunities. And I had this in my notes p- planning for the podcast today. And then Tua went ahead and talked about it on an answer, a question at his post-practice presser. Let's go ahead and hear from Tua on throwing the football to spots.
2: Knowing where it's supposed to go and throwing a guy open. Um, I mean, I personally think, you know, that those those two kind of fall fall hand in hand. Um, you know, you know where the guy's supposed to be. He has a guy right on him, you know. But you throw it to the spot, you know, and he has just that uh, inch of separation from the guy, and he makes that catch. You know, I think that's what it means.
1: So really good stuff there and some more good stuff from Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald who tweeted that Tua had been six touchdowns to zero picks over the last two days in the 11-on-11 11 11 periods and hadn't thrown an interception since day one of practice last Wednesday and he did have one today that was just slightly over the outstretched arm of Albert Wilson. I actually thought he'd get a hand on that ball, but he didn't, and Javon Holland, more on him here in just a minute, was able to corral the pass, but the efficiency while pushing the ball down the field has been there big time, and I really thought this was Tua's best day so far. The location, whether he's coming off the top of his drop, attacking the line of scrimmage and working in either direction as he kind of pushes the line of scrimmage, throwing on the move, off play pass, off boot action, the ball was just getting... Right into the proverbial tire swing a lot today. And there were three occasions, three of them, I talked about it on Twitter, where Kyle Krabs, the tremendous host of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast and close personal friend of mine, we both take our eyes off the field, look at each other, lock on, and we do the Antonio Banderas meme where he kind of leans back from the computer. You guys know what that means. So fun, fun day of offense. I also really liked Reed Sanette's day. You know, he can really reach back and throw the gas. He's developed a nice rapport so far with Kirk Merritt. And it reminds me of a couple of years back. And I honestly am drawing a blank on the names of these guys. Like I remember DeMora Stringfellow was one of them. But remember when I think it was Brandon Dowdy at quarterback, maybe it was after Pat Devlin for sure, but he kept having these big fourth quarters with a cast of receivers, and I'm eager to get a look at Sanet in those games because he can flat out sling it. I think his arm's going to give some teams some trouble in the preseason. He also got free on a scramble for an eight-yard or so touchdown run in the red zone period, so you can see the dual-threat guy that he was back in college at San Diego, and then Jacoby Brissett hit a couple of deep balls. We'll talk more about that as the podcast goes along, but that's always good to see from QB2 out there. Speaking of the deep balls, as we pivot towards the wide receivers, Jakeem Grant has also been tremendous in the vertical game and pulling down catches this training camp so far, especially of the contested catch variety. And I asked Jakeem, what does this offense do to suit what you do best? And I want to go ahead and play some audio here from you, from Jakeem, who answered my question about the one thing he focused on and worked on this offseason and how this offensive system kind of suits his skill set.
3: Um, I think they, especially on the vertical balls, deep balls, uh, I think me to a... Uh, and some of the uh, Jacoby, we have connected on uh, a lot of deep balls. Um, they've been doing a good job at, at giving me that chance to use my speed to outrun the guys, and and that's exactly what they did. And we come, we connected on a lot of them. Are you really
1: focused on? You wanted to get
3: better at? Uh, most definitely. Just uh, I'll say consistently uh, catching the deep ball. You know, as you see in the past, uh, I dropped a couple of deep balls that I'm not proud of, and. And as you can see out here at the camp, I've been, you can tell that I've been working on it because I haven't dropped one yet.
1: And he's been getting good at generating space out here in practice. Had a really nice comeback route on Byron Jones in the one-on-ones. And by the way, very grateful to see one-on-one drills. Again, my favorite part of practice besides the team period. He had another really good route in that period where he got on top of the DB and stacked him. And what that means is you put the defensive back on your back so that when he has to go through you to get to the ball, he has to go through you and gets a flag if he does that. And we know that with Jakeem at 5'8", even though he has gone up and made the high point play before, your best bet is going to be to get him and and let him run and Tua drops this one pass in beautifully over the defensive back and before the end line for another touchdown connection from those two. And speaking of players having a good camp, Albert Wilson caught a few balls in the team period, including a nice adjustment where he was on the move with the defender out in front. Then he slams on the brakes, and Tua must have seen the exact same thing because he threw the ball to a spot where Wilson had become stationary. Just a real nice connection there, and that goes back to the sound clip we played for you on yesterday's podcast with Albert Wilson talking about the offseason and throwing together. Wilson also caught a dig and a curl in the team period from Tua not in red zone, just on the field field full field work and Kirk Merritt continues to look really, really good out here. He's catching everything Sanette throws and he also got free on a couple of passes from Brissette and also hooked up with two-a-ones in the one-on-ones. So, he's been a challenge for everybody who's come across him. Strong hands, strong up the stem to hold the line, and the athletic ability to really create separation at the catch point. Isaiah Ford continues to have a strong, strong camp. He pulled in one of the long balls from Brissette with tight coverage from Igbenogany on his back, going to the ground, hanging onto the football. And he later got into the honey hole, the cover two honey hole. We heard Byron Jones talk about that a few weeks back, uh, over the cornerback, under the safety. And Brissette rocketed the ball in there, and he hung on through more contact so strong hands that Isaiah has were on display and Igbenogany had some tight coverage and other reps on Isaiah Ford these two were nearly the matchup of the day but I decided to go in another direction Alan Hearns went down early in practice as we mentioned but he returned and man he made some tough catches as he has through camp as he has as a pro including one fantastic grab on a deep ball from Reed Sinet We pivot over to the running backs and another good day from these guys, particularly Miles Gaskin, who, speaking of the deep ball, ran a wheel route in the team period seven on seven and had an absolute dime drop to him from Tua just over the top of the underneath coverage and in there before the safety could come over and close. You find that area of the field and you can get it in there before the safety gets over. That's when you really start to open up the offense. And Miles had a couple of nice gains, including one where he burst through the line off an arm tackle and took off. He also had a nice run in red zone where he pushed the pile for 3 or 4 yards on a second and goal run to put the offense up inside the 2-yard line. Jared Dokes I thought had a good day. You can just feel his presence when the pads come on. He's not going to go out of bounds and he's he's going to lower that shoulder and he's going to drop it on you and make sure you have you feel him when you tackle him. He was his big run was due in large part to his Kind of bull and a China shot mentality just trucking through arm tackle attempts. You can feel that power too when they hit the bags in the fundamentals and individual drills. He's a hammer, but I thought he also showed a good burst after contact and really does a good job of keeping his feet underneath him through that contact. And then Carl Tucker scored on a little pop pass inside. That was pretty cool to see from the big rookie out of Alabama. On to the tight ends. I thought this was Durham Smythe's best day so far. He had a great block on that long Gaskin run and another one on a Jared Dokes run. He also had a screen pass from Tua and was patient behind his blocks to pick up 15 yards from the plus 20 20 yard line to get him down to the five. There was a one-on-one rep against Eric Rowe where he just engaged the contact and got off the coverage right at the top of the route for a reception. And speaking of that, Hunter Long did that yesterday. He made some more plays today too, including a really nice contested catch going against Brandon Jones and one-on-ones from Tua. It was a deep out and Long showed the concentration to haul that thing in and work the sidelines to get the feet in. The ball was thrown just out of the reach of Jones where only Hunter could get it, and he did. His best play and team was another shot from Tua, an absolute frozen rope where he gets into that honey hole again we referenced earlier, which requires a lot of velocity on those throws, and Tua splits the eight and the four to find his rookie tight end. And finally, along the offensive line, big fan of Austin Jackson's day today. He had a pass pro rep against Brennan Scarlett, who's been really good this training camp, where he stopped the upfield rush, then worked back inside to thwart the counter move, and then later did the exact opposite. Scarlett tries to go with a bull rush. He absorbs it and then works vertical to hold the edge and pass pro to give Tua some time to throw. Both Gaskin and Dokes had big runs off his side too. And I could see Jackson's man kind of come detached once the ball went past them and chase the play from the back. That's always a good sign for an offensive lineman. Larnell Coleman gets in the notes today. He created some space on one of Gaskin's rips and had some, pass, uh, some good pass pro work against some of the team's more accomplished pass rushers. One in particular on Vince Beagle, where he held his own good work there from the seventh round rookie. Solomon Kinley had a couple of reps He has a couple of reps every practice, I should say, where he swallows someone up whole with a block out the sun type of block at the second level. More of that today from him. Uh, Robert Hunt has a lot of these blocks I mentioned with Austin, where the defender has to turn around and chase back the other way because he's so imposing, and once he gets his paws on you, it's good night at that point. I had a note that Skura dug out the one tech to open a lane inside, and I thought Dieter did well against some of these guys. I mean, this defensive tackle group is so tough. So these centers, you know, they get wins. I really note that down, and Skura and Dieter had a couple on the day. On to the defense up front, Emmanuel Ogba had some nice work in the run game again. That's an underrated part of his game that I think has shown up the last couple of days as well as it did last season. Adam Butler continues to work against both the run and the pass. And on one particular Miles Gaskin run, he gets to the gap before Gaskin gets where he's aiming to go. And then he has to bend it back and and hit the, the teeth of the defense where the help is. And he gets no gain on that. Butler's get off and the penetration he gets every single day really stands out to me every day. Raekwon Davis had another big day, I thought. He stacked up a couple of runs in the early portion, but I think what impressed me most was when they were running through fundies, the fundamental drills, he wraps and lifts John Jenkins, and it looked like me picking up my one-year-old 20-pound daughter, like a 330-pound man just picking him up with no problem, like crazy strength from Raquan Davis. And that plays every single day out here as well. Speaking of strength, Zach Sealer continues to prove to be really tough to move in the running game. He got some more pressure on the quarterback today too. He absolutely blew up a screenplay with John Jenkins at one point. It really, the size explosive combination of kind of the entire defensive line. It puts the offensive line, not just of Miami, but every offensive line they'll face in such conflict. The moment the ball is snapped. And I think we really see that when they, get to play somebody else. We'll see how different offensive lines react to the depth and the waves and the strength of this D-line. And Christian Wilkins is part of that too. He continues to make plays both inside and out. And as coach mentioned, he can play all over the line and he has. Also, if you see this idea that he's on the second team, like no, like lineups are rotated all the time, especially the first week of training camp, for instance. And that group is so deep that someone has to run with the twos, like Butler, Seeler, and, and Davis have done it too. Wilkins has been a 700 snap player each of his first two years in the league and he looks better now than he ever has so I'm not trying to hear any word of that I asked Christian after practice about the relationship between the defensive line and the linebackers with regards to the running game and I thought he gave me a very insightful answer let's go to Christian
0: yeah definitely um you know we we work in and we work together you know what I mean and we got to work in cohesions uh you know if I do my job right the backers make plays if you know, if they're doing their job, I'm going to make a play. So, you know, it's, we, it's definitely a team effort. Uh, we all got to work together and be coordinated. Um, and definitely when we, you know, break down film, watch film together, it's like, oh, like you really get to see the big picture. Sometimes when you're just out there practicing, you don't necessarily see it. But then it's nice when you go back and watch the tape, and you are like, oh, I took this double team, so now this backer can run free and make this play. And if he shoots the gap, then I'm free or like whatever it is. Um, so, you know, it's definitely good to, 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 to see that. And we got to be on,
1: on point together. So that was the inside. Back to the outside, I mentioned Scarlett having some battles with Austin Jackson, but he had some wins throughout the day and not just with Jackson. I thought he had several pressures and I thought Tua did a good job of mitigating some of those Vince Beagle also had a good amount of pressure today on the quarterback I've said this before but man he can really flatten that edge and corner around that tackle and, and really get that the area from him and the quarterback really condense that space and it's good to see these guys pick it up off the edge without Van Ginkle and without Jalen Phillips out there and Chad Griffin had another couple of nice speed reps as a pass rusher again I'm sure Reed Sinette is probably tired of seeing 53 flash in his face also Jason Strobridge got him for a QB hit in one of the team periods as well, a would-be QB hit, I should say. We do not hit the guys in the red jerseys. At linebacker, Sam McGuavin had himself a day, man. He was coming clean up the middle as a pass rusher against the running game. He had a rep where he bulldozed the back and pass pro, Pat Laird, was in there, and he was getting depth and width and coverage and handling those responsibilities and sticking his nose in there against the run. Really good day and a really strong camp so far from number 49. I think Egwivan's a good example of something Coach said before practice about the varied skill sets of the linebackers on this Dolphins roster. Let's go to Coach.
4: Yeah, we made a couple additions to the linebacker room, uh, Duke Riley, McKinney. Uh, and yeah, we, we, we like the group. Uh, they work hard. They're tough. They're smart. They're competitive. Um, you know, it's important to them. Um, you know, they, over, you know it's, it's early, so over the first few days of uh, training camp, And I I shouldn't say that. Going back to the spring and OTAs, um, it's a group that works well together or they're trying to work well together. And um, they've all got a different skill set that we can potentially use, whether it's pass game, pass rush, run defense, kicking game. Uh, So, uh, again, very competitive uh, room. You know the new guys plus Bake plus Roberts plus Munson plus Egavon. Um, I mean, I think it's a competitive group, and um, you know, if we continue to just build and, and take it one day at a time and try to improve every day, we'll uh, hopefully um, you know, have a have a
1: solid group. Thumpers, coverage, blitzers, special teamers. Like he mentioned, you got so many guys that can do multiple things. And speaking of that, then we've got the secondary to go ahead and finish up here with as far as the positions before specialists. And I want to cover this theme of sorts today where we've talked about. Some play is getting blown dead because the quarterbacks don't throw the football. And why don't they throw it? Well, because there's good coverage down the field. You're not going to put the ball in harm's way. I try to pay more attention to some of that downfield. And man, you can see the way these guys work together in tandem. And we talk about GA and the communication and the way they communicate with the cornerbacks and make sure they're carrying their man to a certain landmark to then get picked up by the coverage over the top. And Jason McCourty has been very strong in this regard, in my opinion. So has Javon Holland, and we saw some of his range again today. More on him in just a moment. Brandon Jones, too. And, man, I love watching him play downhill. But today, he had some good coverage work as well, like the seam shot from Tua to Durham-Smythe, a route that Tua has been hitting with regularity so far in training camp. But Jones was in good trail technique underneath, got the hand up in Smythe's face, and so the ball sailed a little bit high because he was disrupted at the catch point. And then after practice... We had McCourty meet with the media, and he talked about the mentorship and the hunger and the intelligence of those young safeties in Brandon Jones as well as Javon Holland we talked
0: about here. Yeah, for sure. A ton of strides. And I think uh, my interactions with him early on when we first got here, you can see the intelligence. And I think that's the toughest thing, as a, especially a rookie, of uh, being able to learn the defense because as a safety, uh, you're the key communicator. You're the guy who has to get checks out, who have to tell guys what to do. So you have to be able to master the defense. And early on, uh, when I first jumped on the Zoom calls, you saw that from him. Uh, whenever a question came his way, he knew the answer. He knew what to anticipate. And you can see it out here on the field as we go on He's making more and more plays. He's a hell of an athlete, and uh, he's a fun guy to be around. Uh, I call him Canada. He spent—that's uh, where he was born, so we uh, refer to him as Old Canada. But he's making a ton of strides, and it's fun to watch him and, and a lot of the younger guys out here.
1: I mean, you don't need my evaluation. That was perfect. Calling Old Canada the instinctual guy that he that he is, and, and noticing it right away in those Zoom calls—very cool stuff there from McCourty talking about Javon Holland, who again we're going to talk about more in just one second. I want to play some audio for you guys. Uh, about the challenge of going from playing receivers to playing tight ends as a safety. And we'll see how this sound goes because, well, why don't we go ahead and play the audio and I'll tell you the story afterwards. It's pretty funny.
0: A lot of his body position, you know, uh, the, the smaller guys, you're, you're just the same size. You can body them up. The tight ends, you kind of got to get out of their way and use your speed to your advantage. So it's a little bit of a technique thing, but figuring it out as we go.
1: So the reason I wanted to play that for you guys was because, one, he gave a great answer about playing tight ends and backs compared to receivers as a safety compared to a corner, but you might have heard that voice as my question was being asked by by me. That was also my voice on the loudspeaker who recorded a weather warning to leave the stands and to leave the practice field because lightning is in the area. And as I'm asking Jason the question, that thing came on and I said, "Oh, hey, that's me." And he looked at me and laughed like, "What the hell are you talking about?" So, a fun moment there. Finishing up in the secondary, Terrell Bonds got himself another INT, this time in the one-on-ones, and that's hard to do. That's a very tough drill to get a pick in. He undercut a throw from Jacoby Brissett to grab this one, and then Javaris Davis had more plays on the football. He's had a very nice camp so far. He drove on a dig route to Robert Foster from Jacoby Brissett in the one-on-one portion of practice for a pass breakup, and then later on the play where Hearns got shaken up, he elevates and catches the football, but Davis gets in there and separates his hands for the PBU. Trill Williams had a great recovery play on a deep shot to Kirk Merritt where he got a step behind him, but Williams came up underneath and broke it up, stay in the play, and get yourself a hand on the football. Finally, Nick Needham is having a really strong camp so far. He stayed in the hip pocket of Jalen Waddle on an out route, something that has given every cornerback here at camp an issue, and he got the PBU on that play. He's had a play on the football every day so far of training camp. And before we get to Javon Holland and the matchup of the day, the matchup of the day, specialist. Jason Sanders hit the upright today once. His first miss of camp. That's my fault. I jinxed him. But he was good on all the others. And then Michael Pilardi put on an absolute show. Four straight punts that were perfect or nearly perfect. Three kicks that were downed inside the three-yard line. One hit the 10 and bounced in to the one. The other two had backspin that checked up at the one or two-yard line, and then they just basically stayed flat right there. And then the fourth one, he hits... Inside the pylon, which just barely nicked inside of that thing for a touchback, he was a quarter inch Charlie Conway from a down at the one-yard line. Once again, he's been terrific so far. And now your prime time matchup of the day, matchup of the day, Tua Tongavaiilo versus Javon Holland. I talked about Tua throwing to spots and beating the safeties, really with anticipation because safeties gotta follow the quarterback's eyes to the football, and a lot of jockeying between. Both those two positions has both scored some wins on this day. But I like seeing Javon's range on some of the deep to intermediate stuff and his ability to come from depth and disrupt the passing game and come in under control for sound tackling in the run game. Both those things stick out. But as far as the results, finally getting an INT that I felt like was coming because he was getting over the top and to the football a lot. And to get that first INT off Tua in a team period the first one to get one since last Wednesday. I mean, that spans over seven days and hundreds of throws. So great work from the two youngsters. Let's speed through top performers here because we're getting short on time. Tua Tonga Bailoa, Reed Sinet, talked about the way they threw the football all day long. Jared Dokes, the pads come on. He looks very strong and, and powerful. Miles Gaskin had some more work in the pass game, Shifty in the running game. Nick Needham continues to get plays on the football. Isaiah Ford went out and got a ton of catches today, going up top and making big plays down the field. Kirk Merritt shows up every single day. He's in there as well. Jakeem Grant, the one-on-one period he was fantastic in. Terrell Bonds and Javaris Davis both had plays in the football. They make their way in here again. Sam Egwavon had a big day. Thought Adam Butler was in the backfield a lot today. Javon Holland just talked about him. Larnell Coleman is in there for some good work he had in pass pro and in the running game. Austin Jackson and Michael Pilardi are your your top performers of the day two questions here from Twitter the first listener question comes in from Kevin Garrard and he asks about Jason McCourty who we covered already in the podcast how has he looked at safety and also what's a percentage breakdown of Noah Ibnagini playing inside and outside Well, i will answer the first one second one first here the coach just talked about him cross training so he does do both but he's been working a lot on the perimeter like he was in college with McCourty I think the best way to answer that is to rehash some of the stuff we talked about with the walkthrough periods or fighting over natural rubs and picks and those those types of bunch drills or just seeing some of those coverage sacks we talked about. I, f- I mean, these occur where the quarterback doesn't feel good about the receiver where he is at the moment or coming open. And I think a lot of that has to do with McCourty, Holland, Jones, and what they've done on the back end. I would add Eric Rowe there, but he's just all over the place. So it's hard to mention him in one specific spot. Our second question here comes from the Apple Podcast Reviews. Remember, If you put a question on Apple Podcasts in there, we're going to answer on the podcast. So put them on there. Give us a five-star rating. We'll go ahead and get the question answered here on Drive Time. And this one comes from the best name I've read on these mailbags yet. Cool Kids Table. Do you see this explosive offense working once the pressure on the quarterback starts this week in practice? Like Mike Tyson said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Well, with two padded days of practice in the books, I can say so far, yes. Yes. And I realize these reviews don't always populate the same day that you put them on there. So hopefully this is still relevant when you hear the podcast. But I thought today, especially the ball came out quickly. And, you know, the part that I think makes it most feasible come the season is the quick twitch of your quarterback. And today it seems like there's 100 pass rushers across the league that can really get the job done and put pressure on you. And so the big deal, the big way to get away from that heat is the quarterback consistently finding ways to mitigate that pressure with their pocket mobility. And people confuse that for, you know, the Lamar Jacksons and the Kyler Murray type of mobility that they've displayed in their careers. And those guys with 2-0 ranked near the top of the league and forced missed pressures last season. But I'm talking about that Brady or Marino mobility, the traditional pocket passers, and not making comparisons there other than just to say the ability to see where the danger is, how to get to a spot to make the rush irrelevant, and then have the ability to get the mechanics back to where they were before the pressure got there to get set and to make the play from there. So as far as college evaluation goes, Tua was one of the best I ever had studied in that arena. And then this week of practice, I think, really has shown me more of the same. Then on the other end, we've seen Waddle, Grant, Wilson, a bunch of guys that can make catches in the short to intermediate area, and then they're off to the races. So I think Yes, cool kids' table. I do think it can and will carry over. All right, that's going to be my time on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. You all, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and leave us that rating. Leave us the review and drop a question in there for us. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and Juice. And, of course, MiamiDolphins.com for the written training camp reports. Until next time, fins up.